I feel like that's like the nature of art, right? If it scares you, you should do it. Like if if it doesn't scare you in some way, shape or form, is it even worth pursuing? That's kind of how I look at the stuff that I like to do. Like, you know, is, is there a way to provoke and provocate a conversation about stuff that people may not want to talk about? I think that's what gets me excited. Welcome to First Time Go. I'm Benjamin Ducek. That's Nardeep Kormai talking about his commitment to art, even when it's difficult. His film, Land of Gold, won the AT&T 2021 Untold Stories Grand Prize. I don't think anybody wants to hear me chuckling the entire podcast, but excuse me for coming close. Although the subject matter of his films are often serious, there are moments in regards to dialogue and writing in Land of Gold that make you realize this is a man coming at storytelling in a way you haven't seen before. In this episode, we talk about his love of travel. Philly by way of Switzerland is not something you hear every day. How Land of Gold came from the fertile ground of immigration policy in the U.S. And what's next for this funny as hell filmmaker. We also give props to the AT&T Untold Stories program in collaboration with the Tribeca Film Festival. Submissions are due February 6th. There's a link in the show notes, and please spread widely. Nardeep calls it the best program of all. I'm not necessarily a fan of hyping corporate brands, but I'll make an exception if you want to give a million bucks to indie filmmakers to make their visions come true. I'll say your name as many times as you want, AT&T. We take our art seriously, but that doesn't mean we can't have fun. I'll roll the trailer for Land of Gold, and then I hope you enjoy the discussion with the wonderfully funny, award-winning director, writer, and actor. Where are your parents? Border jumpers. We get them like three or four times a month looking for a free night. <laughs> you thought this through, right? She needs help. End of story. Learn from our mistakes. You'll make many. Cherish these moments. If God is real and makes everything happen, why does God let bad things happen? Maybe there isn't a reason. None of it is good or bad. It, it just is. They're gonna think that you kidnapped her. She doesn't have anyone else. Hey, kid! You don't know what's out there. You don't see what I see. You're a stupid old man! If they find me... Hey, everything's gonna be okay. What if they do? Let up! Let up! Get after him! Go, go, go! This whole world, whole universe is yours. And he will give it to you. Good day, Nardeep Kormai, writer, director, actor, perhaps comedian. How are you today? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm great. So I'm thrilled to have you on. Your film, Land of Gold, was the grand prize winner of the 2021 AT&T Untold Stories. You're a committee member for 2023. And I was going to read you what I thought was a great quote about the film, but I wanted to ask first, do you read your reviews? Do you like, 
are one of those guys who's on letterbox or on like reviews that right after to see like oh what does this random guy from texas think of my phone gosh you know i'd love to say i had the emotional maturity not to but <laughs> i clearly don't i grew up in the theater so like i'm a, like my my acting background is very much theater and like you know not to read your reviews but since this was my first movie i was a glutton for punishment so i i stopped though I stopped a couple of months ago after I was like, you know what? This maybe is not the healthiest thing. I don't think my <laughs> therapist needs me to ramble about this over and over again. So I'm trying to become the person that doesn't read them. But go ahead. Feel free. <laughs> yeah. Let me let me get oh. make my therapist do their work. <laughs> so Decider on like stream or not stream said mm-hmm. it's a beautiful debut film for all involved and carries a hopeful message underneath very real, prescient and traumatic ideas toward immigrants in today's American cultural climate so it's like wow all right i can't describe the film any better than that nice i'll take that i'll i'll gladly <laughs> have not read that one but be pleased with the results <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so that's a great way to introduce land of gold i am curious and we'll talk more about the film i am curious how you got involved in filmmaking yeah how did i get involved with filmmaking you know i so i grew up in the suburbs of pennsylvania i i was born in switzerland and and immigrated to the country in 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 1990 and you know growing up in the suburbs of 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 pennsylvania where i grew up it was a very white community and i am i don't know if anyone's going to see this but if you search me i'm clearly a brown guy and <laughs> it was really hard yeah it was really hard for me to make friends growing up and you know i, I realized that if i could make people laugh they wouldn't want to beat me up so much. So I started becoming like the class clown and I was like using my humor to kind of dissolve situations. And then that's how I got friends. And I started becoming an actor. I did stage like the school musicals, regional, like community theater, stuff like that. And I also really love photography and I was taking, taking photos all the time. And I was in a photography class and a teacher recommended a class our high school had, which was really cool called video applications. And it was a class that taught you how to use like a home movie camera and use a basic editing software and make short films. And I took that class and I really took to it. And you know, it was around the time I was doing this musical in high school called Oklahoma, for those of you who are familiar with musicals. And it sort of hit me. I was playing this character named, well, as I played him, it was Ali Hakim. But as written, it's Ali Hakim, who's just like some white dude pretending to be a brown dude to sell tinctures in like Oklahoma. And it hit me as I was making these films. I was like, whoa, if I want to tell stories and I want to tell my stories, I kind of have to take the reins on this thing. And with this video applications class and my friends, I realized I could control the narrative. I could tell my story. So that was kind of my like it like start in filmmaking. It was a marriage of photography and performance and just like a, a really sort of type A kid in high school realizing, hey, I can tell the stories I want to tell. And that sort of pushed me into film school and eventually to land a gold. Wow. What a story. So it was sort of that combination that you felt like you would be able to fit in more if you were able to highlight both of those, your comedic qualities plus the filmmaking. Yeah. I mean, it it was like, it was almost like a survival technique, right? Like this is how I can both express who I am 
you know, both like the funny side, but also the really like insecure, deep, vulnerable side. Like you look at a lot of photos of me when I was younger, I'm just kind of sitting there observing like a very observational person. But then I also like learned to be like this jovial jokester. So with controlling the narrative and also wanting to express my culture and sort of my sort of slice of the pie in America uh, and globally, it, it was like the only way that's going to be told with authenticity is if I tell it you know, cause it wasn't being done otherwise, like right. our representation growing up. I mean, I, I was like, you know, my, my father loved films and we watched movies all the time and, and both American and Hindi cinema, but, and Punjabi cinema, but, you know, our representations in America were Apu in the Simpsons. And then the scientist in short circuit who was played by Fisher Stevens in Brownface, you know, right. <laughs> and then Peter Sellers in the party when I started like trying to find what other Indians are, or, you know, South Asians are doing stuff. So like, it really was a, a way to take control of my representation so that people couldn't put their own things on me. I was like, no, no, you're going to know me for me. And this is the work. And this is, you know, very much a part of who I am. Wow. What a story. So did the travel, were you always interested in travel? So you went to school in Prague, came to Philadelphia via Switzerland. Do you think these skill sets and the immersion in different cultures has helped you tell diverse stories? Oh, yeah, hands down. I mean, having the privilege to have traveled so much in my life, right? Like I was I was born in Switzerland. I have family in England and in India, now in Canada, across the world. You know, my my parents traveled a lot, so which allowed me to travel a lot and see the world. And being, you know, brown in a white community, I was always othered. And I think being able to see different cultures and being immersed in different cultures, different languages, different foods, different like, you know, cultures has made me really interested in how we relate to each other and how we cross those boundaries. How do we cross their sort of pre our prejudices? How do we dissolve, you know, disintegrate our, our prejudices and how do we just see each other as humans? Because ultimately everybody on the planet just wants the same thing, right? They want right. to live joyously, joyfully. They want security. They want to be able to like have families and like pursue dreams. And there's no difference in that depending on where you are, right? It's just maybe a different language and a different type of food. Like how do you spice your food? Salt or chilies or whatever. That's very like <laughs> reductive way to say it. But you know, exactly. So I think like that, yeah, I think that background, like having, you know, growing up in two different cultures at home being South Asian and at school being American. And then like eventually kind of combining and 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 combining them as I got older and not being ashamed of that, being proud of that like mixed heritage. I think for sure it gives me a viewpoint and and an empathy, I think, to see how people live and 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 want to live. Wow. And I think that really shows through on the film. So how did Land of Gold get created? Did you start writing it early on? Like was it a culmination of a lot of different things you've observed through your travels? Yeah, you know, <laughs> so Land of Gold, a little bit of lightning in a bottle. I mean, the the process with Land of Gold, it's three and a half years, four years, top to bottom, I think. I started, yeah, I, I made a short film that did the festival circuit pretty successfully called Bug, which you can find on YouTube. And that kind of got people interested in like what I had to say in a major way. It was like the first film where people were like, ooh, what do you want to do next? And it was right around the 2016 election. Bug was made as a result of that. And you know, we were getting all these news stories flooded to us about like anti-immigrant narratives and 
one story in particular that really like hit me were the child separations happening at the border. And, you know, seeing this, these kids get being dealt irreparable trauma for the rest of their lives based off of an inhumane immigration policy, right? That was being heavily politicized. And it happened under Trump's presidency, but it's also happening under Biden's presidency, it was happening under Obama's presidency. It's just like national policy to like screw with brown people, right? Screw with anybody of color. And I was really disheartened by conversations within my own community, the South Asian community, where like there were a bunch of people that were in support of this not happening, but there was an alarming amount of people who were not in support of it, who were like, yeah, we should not have these people in this country. Like they're here illegally, like the terminology, right? That very conservative rhetoric. And it made me really think like, hey, why does an immigrant not understand why another immigrant wants to come to this country? Why are they buying into this like quota line, like the, the that stuff that you know is being espoused and creating hate and division between us? So that was like in the soup. I had friends who are having kids or about to have kids or have had kids, and you know, seeing a lot of the men in my life, fathers really grappling with when do they become a dad and how do they change, like what changes in their life and all that and the fears that come up based off of their own family history. So that kind of went into the soup. And and then the kind of like the sort of like sort of cherry on top was driving around LA. I, I love food way too much. I eat too much. I should probably it shows in the film. Yeah, no, there's, a, there's yeah, quite a yeah. number of foods. <laughs> yeah, I think that's going to track through the course of my work. Like there'll always be like Brad Pitt has this thing where like he always is eating in his movies because that's like his right. like distraction technique. Right. I think all my characters will always just be like stuffing their face. But, <laughs> you know, in L.A., I started seeing these Mexican Punjabi hybrid restaurants. And I was like, this makes a lot of sense, but also why does this exist? Why is there like a chicken tikka taco and like a, a burrito with like lamb vendaloo and stuff like this? And they're all delicious. But it started making me do research about the history of Punjabi Americans and Mexican Americans, which dates back to the early 1900s, late 1800s. And this like community that formed as a result of an immigration ban in the United States in the early 1900s. So I was like, oh, this story can easily be told now because it's like it's these two cultures have such a rich history of survival in this country that no one knows about and is now being complicated because of this conservative rhetoric right so let's remind people that these two people these cultures actually are very intrinsically connected in the United States and they should be supporting each other and not kind of dividing as a result of our political discourse Wow. That's such a great story. Did you feel any trepidation taking on such a topic in that time period? Like it's still controversial, but 2016, 2017, it's a pretty controversial topic. And you're like, hey, I'm taking it on. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's like the nature of art, right? If it scares you, you should do it. Like if if it doesn't scare you in some way, shape or form, is it even worth pursuing? That's kind of how I look at the stuff that I like to do, like, you know, is, is there a way to provoke and provocate a conversation about stuff that people may not want to talk about? I think that's what gets me excited. Was I afraid? Not necessarily afraid. It was more, I wanted to honor both cultures, right? right. Like I knew I had the Punjabi culture. I am Punjabi. Like the family story is very much inspired by my family and and friends of mine and family members. I wanted to, and so I really wanted to make sure that I honored the undocumented experience in the story. And that involved lots of research, lots of conversations, lots of meeting kids, 
lots of meeting adults and talking about their paths, their journeys, their fears and hopes. And it, it, it's real. And so like the fear was kind of confronted with just research and doing the work to make sure that honesty was the guiding light in, in those two cultural narratives. Wow. So when did you decide to apply for Untold Stories? Was it the first year of the program when you won? No. No, okay. we were the fourth winner of the fourth program. Winner. So the film, the first film was Nigerian Prince, and then the second film was Lucky Grandma. The third film was Marvelous and the Black Hole, and then Land of Gold was the fourth. You know, so we... I started writing, I was really working on the script in 2020, you know, remember, I don't know if you remember, there was this pandemic that happened that locked us in our homes. So as I was self-medicating, watching anime and playing video games, I was like, let me work on this script. And I had two lovely producers who signed on, Pallavi Sastri and Kirtana Sastri. And we were just workshopping the script over the course of the year. And 2021 was about, we were, we were moving into 2021. And we were like, look, the script feels like it's a good place. We should probably start taking this out to financiers and production companies and see what we can do with it, right? And we had been applying to grants and programs along the way to lesser success than Untold Stories. But I found the Untold Stories program. I had never heard of it. And I saw that it was a million-dollar grant. And part of the application was a pitch deck you know, a budget for a million dollars. It was your, it was basically getting all the material together that you would need to send out to producers and financiers and production companies to show that you know what you're doing and that you're ready to, you know, do the thing. So I use the application as a way for us to kind of get our butts into gear and get everything compiled and get it as sharp and as clean as possible. So it was less about actually applying to Untold Stories. It was more about using Untold Stories as an excuse to get our materials sharp so that we could send it out to financiers because I didn't have any expectations of like winning this grant because right. I've never been the guy, the filmmaker that's won those grants. So we used it to get the materials together, applied, forgot about it, and then we were invited to be one of the five finalists to pitch for the million bucks. And we were like, what the hell? This is insane. So that was actually the impetus. It wasn't to win it. It was to right. help us get our production in gear to make a, to, 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 so we presented ourselves as seriously as we felt about making the film. So do you feel like, so the closest I can relate to on ethnic stories are veterans and you watch like sort of a military veteran film and there's always going to be like a special operator or something like that. And I think it's because they want to be able to relate to the audience. Like most Audience members haven't don't know anybody in the military, but they know like who killed Bin Laden, that kind of thing. So do you feel like – did you ever feel like there were stereotypes that you had to add to the film just to try to like relate to a wider audience? Or were you able to be like, no, this is what the image – this is the story that I want to tell? That's a great question. No, no. I, I, I actively fight against the stereotypes in, in, in what I'm working on. I actually think that does a disservice to the narrative, right? Trying to make it as like sort of like easily accessible as possible. Exactly. My thing is, yeah, my thing with storytelling is there's a term universal, right? Everyone wants a universal story and wants to like buy and like watch a universal story because then you can apply your own baggage and life and experience to it. But what makes something universal? It's specificity. It's hyper-specificity because when you see something that's hyper-specific, a hyper-specific world, a hyper-specific character journey, a hyper-specific emotional journey, 
that's something you can latch on to because you understand the feelings and the emotions that those characters are going through. You understand those spaces and those places, right? Like in Land of Gold, not everyone's been to a Punjabi Dubba on the side of the highway, but you have been to like a South Asian restaurant. You've been to an Indian restaurant, Pakistani restaurant. You know, you know what those flavors and those things are. So you have a lens in through the specificity and then you can fill it with your own kind of thing. The father-son relationship in Land of Gold, the, the, surrogate father-daughter relationship, the husband-wife relationship, all of those things I try to write as specifically as possible because that ultimately is what leads, leads to universality where you as a viewer can see parts of yourself in it. I'm not expecting you to see your entire self in it. If you do, wow, you know, great, let's have a conversation. But like, if you see part of yourself in it, that's when you really are able to take something from the film, right? So as I was writing Land of Gold, it was very much an attempt to try and get rid of as much stereotype, as many stereotypes as possible and really hone in on specifics. And like, look, where do stereotypes come from? They come from people seeing the same thing over and over again. So are there, as a result, are there some stereotypical things in the film? Maybe. But those kind of like transcend because they're done in that specific way, right? Because the relationships are specific and all that. So that's my rambling answer to answer that where I'm like always trying to avoid the stereotype. And like, if I feel like something is getting in that space, I am like, okay, I need to dig deeper. I need to go more into this thing and really figure out what is the specificity? What is the personal? What is the vulnerable? And, and that'll unpack that and make it not stereotypical. Love that answer. I couldn't agree with you more as I've been watching films and different indie films that have been successful over the past few years, I, I think one of the things that I always come back to is this sense of place, right? Like the great films always like put you in a place and maybe it's not a place you've been to before, but they really like either show like the audio shows like the crunch of leaves if you're in the woods, that kind of thing. Like, and that's like, you could have like, you know, mediocre writing, mediocre acting, you know, even mediocre filming. And like, if you are able to put the audience in a place then I think you've got something like you're already starting with like what 70% of the job. Interesting totally. what you think about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, look, film is lit all art is transportive. But film in particular, because of image, because of sound, it's 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 so unbelievably transportive. So like whatever that tool is, if it's sound, if it's the visuals, if it's it, again, it's like that specificity, like you're saying, the rustling of leaves. But what kind of rustling does that is that, right? Is it like an ominous rustle? Is it a hopeful rustle? Like those are the questions that get us jazzed when we're like in in there, you know, constructing these things. Yeah, I think that's that's totally it. And then and 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 not to belabor it, but to add to it, I think like you know, we were t we're talking about specificity and in, in the narratives. I also think it's important that at least in the, my work, it's I'm not trying to teach the audience anything. If there's something new, there may be some specific things that the audience needs to know to understand the emotional impact of something. Like in Land of Gold, there's a conversation about Sikhism and the aspects of cutting hair and 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 why that's important. But I put that in the film so that there's an emotional moment that happens later so that you understand why that's such a big deal, right? In case, if you didn't know anything about Sikhism. But then there's this beautiful Gurdwara sequence, which is a Sikh temple, that I explain nothing. <laughs> and I just want you to experience it, right? And because you don't need to explain it, you just need to you know, live in it. And then the audience can have a question and have a conversation with maybe that brown person down the block and be like, hey, do you know anything about Sikhism? Like, what was that thing? And like, it just fosters conversation. And I think that's what that specificity can and also lend to. It's a universality, but also a, a fostering of conversation.
Wow. So Untold Stories is a powerful program. I think that million dollar award attracts a lot of people. Do you feel that more program, and it's also a program that goes from beginning to end, right? Like they don't just like give you a million dollars and say, have fun. It's like a process that allows like distribution, production, all that. Do you feel like that's a model that more like grants and programs should adopt? And do you feel like we're doing enough to highlight diverse voices in filmmaking? Oh man, I certainly hope more people adopt it. You know, are we doing enough to help bolster diverse voices? I don't think so. There's a movement in the industry right now to cut DEI initiatives because they're like, we won or we did it, whatever. So I don't think there'll ever be a case where we're not doing enough. Untold Stories is the best grant out of all of these things. It's the best program out of all of them. Like there are a bunch of labs, which are amazing, which will help you workshop your script and put you in touch with people and do X, Y, Z, maybe give you a little bit of money, right? There's a bunch of short film funds that you can make your shorts with, but there's no program that gives you the money and the support to go make your feature film right now. And Untold Stories is the only one. And it's also a million bucks. Like, you know, these movies, if we went the traditional financing route, like who, uh, which one of these films would have actually been able to get a million bucks to make their film? It's, it's, it's a rare, unique thing in the industry. It's a unicorn. And it, it's a beautiful thing. Like as a first time filmmaker, who's like struggling to get their thing seen, especially uh, struggling to get their thing made, especially something that may not be categorized as like a traditional narrative or whatever, or something that people like are like, Oh yeah, we got to see that. Right. It wouldn't get financed by the normal means. Untold Stories gives you a platform. It gives you the financing. It gives you the backing and experience of Tribeca. And it allow and like they support you in telling your story the way you want to tell it. They're there to help you and guide you because you haven't done it before, but you're still telling your story. You're still making your film. And that's your piece when it comes down to it. And it's I'm so grateful for the program. It's changed my life in like immeasurable ways. Not only did I just make a, my first film, but like it's opened doors in my career in ways I could never expected. And it's the only program that exists like this. So I, yeah, man, <laughs> I hope more programs see the, the, the merit in this and are like, yo, maybe, you know, it's not just enough to give a script like consultation. Maybe we should like give some money because I think that's ultimately what it comes down to when it comes to, to like, you know, hyphenate filmmakers like not just cis straight white guys right like it's like you could be a woman you could be lgbtq you could be bipoc whatever your hyphen is or multiple hyphens it's always comes down to the money it's never about the work it's never really about the script there's so much good stuff out there it's really it's support financially and the support financially to say go do your thing we believe in you and untold stories puts their money where their mouth is in the most real way possible That is a great answer. I couldn't agree with you more because I I do think a lot about this. And I feel like sometimes when I see like film festivals sort of may have like a diverse category. And I feel like that's not a great way of doing it because it's like, wait, did they qualify on like merits or do they qualify on diversity? And it makes you like question the quality of the film. And it's like, why would anyone want to be a part of something that makes you question the quality of the film, you know? It's it's super reductive. It's like a category for them, which is great. But at the same time, like just put that shit in competition. Just like like why are we like segmenting shit, right? Like support the artist, let them go tell their story, let them go make their their beautiful art. Also, let them fail, you know, and let them right. learn and let them like 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 let's support artists in the process. And let's not like put them in a box. Let's just say, like, hey, yeah, we believe in you, go make your thing and you know, not 
asterisk it. You know, it's like it's like baseball. It's like you know, Barry Bonds has the asterisk for like right. home runs or whatever. Right. Yeah. Let's not asterisk filmmakers who you know are disenfranchised systemically by the industry. Like, let's just give them the money and say, go have fun. <laughs> you know. Exactly. So submissions for Untold Stories this year are open till February 6th. Can you talk about what you wish you knew? Like if you could talk to somebody who's thinking about applying now, what would you like to tell them? Like, man, I wish I would have known that before applying. Hmm, man, have a therapist. (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) lots of therapy talk. You know, I think what it is, is this is not a program that's designed to make your thing it's not like other labs, I'll say, right? Like in the sense that it's like it's like a it's a workshop thing. This is a production lab. This is like your film is ready to go and you're ready to jump right when you get that grant to go make your film because you have 12 months top to bottom to make your film. That's including pre-production all the way to the premiere at the next Tribeca Festival. And it's actually less than 12 months because of the time, you know, that then it's like 11 months, you know. So I would tell filmmakers, I'm like, look, everyone should apply to the program. You should all, you should apply. But just understand that this is a program designed for filmmakers who are ready to go. Like you've got a team in place, the script's in a good place, and all you need is the money. It's not something where it's like, oh yeah, and I'm going to workshop my script for a couple more months. Like if you do that, then you have like less time to edit the film and less time to score it and less time to do all the stuff in post. So that's something for, I feel like for filmmakers to be aware of like just the realities of production and just the realities of this program is designed to help filmmakers ready to go and there's that and then there's also you know i would say like there's a lot of emotions that come up when you make your first film and like you premiere it and then you go on the festival circuit and you're trying to do the distribution thing like there's so many things that you're going to learn that are brand new that no one's ever going to teach you because there's no class in like how to sell your film and i would say like I was so fortunate to have so many beautiful, close people on board from the beginning. My producing team, you know, my cinematographer, our, our acting coach, or, you know, the, these people that I've worked with and, and have been friends with for so long. And that really gave me strength through the whole process to, to make the best thing I could. And I think that's something for filmmakers to really like hang their hat on is like, make sure that team that you have is are people you trust and you're ready to jump into the fire with because making a film is hard it's 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 emotional and it's difficult and it's fun so like make sure you're ready to have fun with people you want to have fun with and make sure you're ready to get into those like awkward conversations with people who will still be there for you even after that conversation's over wow yeah no i'm really looking forward to seeing what films come out of the program this year and i think one of the things that's remarkable to me in talking with people who have won things like untold stories or apparent preparing to get their film on the Oscar nomination is just a humility of it. And just the understanding of how I don't want to use the word lucky because it sort of implies that it's just sort of a pull out of the hat, but this idea that it could have been someone else. And so what are your, what would you want to tell somebody who is out there and for whatever reason applies for untold stories has a great film, doesn't get selected, you know, what kind of, what are your thoughts for that person? Have you been living in my brain for the last year? <laughs> uh, um, uh, did I not say like, get, like, get a therapist? Um, <laughs> look, 
it's a miracle to make anything, right? It's it's just an absolute miracle. The worst film you've seen, it was a miracle getting that thing made, right? Like to get the financing, to get the thing shot, then to edit it and to release it, like that took a miracle. Land of Gold was rejected by Sundance Lab, rejected by all of those labs, like every single one, it was rejected, like categorically. It won a couple of script competitions like ScreenCraft and, and and Page and all that, which was really lovely and filled me with hope. Untold Stories is the first program in my entire career that supported me as a filmmaker. And I've been doing this for a minute. So all of those no's and those rejections are just part of the process, but it has no reflection on your work as an artist or as a filmmaker. Sometimes it's just what resonates with people in that moment that they read it. You know, sometimes it's just, are you ready with the right team? Like Land of Gold, like, again, I, I mentioned that the process was kind of like three and a half years top to bottom. The project was lightning in the, in the sense it was the right team. It was the right moment. It was the right people who responded to it. And that's what pushed it forward. And then you do the best you can with what that time is. So I think like using untold stories as a way to get your materials in gear for the long haul is a great way to go it, it go about it. But if you don't, become a finalist, if you don't get on the long list, if you don't, you know, win the thing, it has no bearing on your film. It has no bearing on you as an artist. If you don't get into Sundance Lab, if you don't get into XYZ, that that has no bearing on you as a as a as a filmmaker. It just means you just got to keep going and you just got to find other ways to 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 get the money, get the support and and find that community. And like the reality is like that stuff doesn't change. You know, like we were on the festival circuit. We had an award-winning festival circuit. You know, we got distribution. We had a theatrical release. We got on HBO Max. Like it's living on Max now. You can watch Land of Gold. And it's like crazy to me that some people still don't know that the film exists. And right. it's, you know, it like there's so many things that go into releasing a film and making a movie. It's not enough just to make the movie. There's also the release of it. There's the marketing. There's the PR. There's all that stuff. And I'm being very raw right now with this, right? Like, it's just there's always going to be things that are going to make you feel like you didn't do a good job or you didn't you're less than and it's your job as this as as the artist to block all that out and to just tunnel vision and say i need to do this thing this thing is important to tell and i'm going to figure it out and i'm going to keep hunting and hunting and hunting so that you can get it made and then you're going to have to be like i made the thing i'm proud of it i'm going to promote it and it's going to do what it's going to do and we're going to live with it and celebrate the wins and say no to everything else like you said do you read your reviews don't read your reviews like just be proud of the thing you put out and just like put it out there right because the good stuff is amazing the bad stuff will be there and the only thing that will linger is the bad stuff even if it's not that bad you'll make it into a, a mountain so I, I again i'm rambling a little bit but the, the reality no, is all. it's like rejection is part of the game and rejection will continue through the course of the process regardless of where you're at in the process so it's just like figure out that community that'll support you through all of that and and keep pursuing it whether you get the grant or not you know just use everything as a stepping stone to strengthen your materials and strengthen that script and maybe it's like oh maybe i should do another draft on this maybe i should do another character pass or a dialogue pass for the next competition you know maybe like i have my materials together maybe i don't need a competition maybe i can go to like you know a24 or neon or focus features or like some smaller production company and and be like hey let's make this together right or maybe i can go to to san francisco and convince some tech people to give you money like whatever the route is you'll find it just keep pursuing it and not let those perceived rejections be a emblem like it's not emblematic of the work i love that so much 
So what are you working on now? I'm excited to see what's next for you. Hey, <laughs> taking a nap. That's what's next. I just want to sleep. It's been, we, I released a movie and then we were just got out of a strike. I'm ready to work, man. Yeah. You know, I'm developing a TV show, which I'll be taking out to all the, the usual suspects very soon. So we'll see what happens with that. I'm also developing two features right now that that I'm very excited about that are in very different spaces. One is a comedy and one is like a, like a, like a, a drama about addiction. And so I'm excited about those things. And then as an actor, I'm auditioning and doing that whole game. And, you know, really, I'm really, I'm really excited about the TV show that I'm about to to pitch. I mean, I can't really say more than that. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. But it's, it's an, it's an adaptation of a, of a, of a very big IP. Awesome. Which is, which I've loved for years. And the two films I'm very excited to be, you know, starting to write. Like I literally started writing one last week. So, you know, I'm off to the races with the next project and it could be a couple different things. So hopefully there'll be more specific stuff to share soon. Awesome. Um, but that's like all I'm legally contractually <laughs> allowed to talk about. <laughs> awesome. So this is a filmmaker's podcast. Love hyping people. Yeah. I loved your answer on you know, if people get rejected, because I really think that's so true. People shouldn't take it as sort of some sort of personal affront. But I do love hyping everybody and especially like allowing people to highlight things that other people may not know about. So is there an indie film or director that you wish more people knew about? Man, so many. Well, okay. I'd be remiss not to 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 say Go watch all of the Untold Stories films, Nigerian Prince, Lucky Grandma, Marvelous in the Black Hole, Land of Gold, Smoking Tigers is 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 on the festival circuit right now, and Color Book will be premiering at Tribeca next year. That's uh, the one that was selected this past year. Watch all those films. They're beautiful films. They're very, they're all independent films, all made for a million bucks. Support those filmmakers and those films. They're all available to see in various streaming capacities and, and VODs. Uh, you know, there was a film on the festival circuit this past year that I had the privilege of experiencing that I thought was so interesting, so unique. It was a big slam dance winner from last year. It's called Starring Jerry as Himself. And it's this doc hybrid film, all true, about Jonathan Shu, his father and his family learning that his father was a Chinese spy. And uh, his father plays himself in the film. And it's a funky movie. It's so cool. Again, it's like a doc narrative hybrid. And that's one, I know they're finishing up their festival circuit. So like, that's one that I would definitely keep on the radar for when it gets out, because that's like a super interesting film, great story. And like such a, it's such a cool way to make a doc by, it's like a spy movie, but it's also a doc. So I, yeah, that's one that comes to mind. And then, I mean, it was, this was nominated for an independent spirit award, but I really loved it. Ellie Fumbi's Our Father, the Devil. That was a great film. Really loved that. Yeah. Those ones come to mind at the top of my head. Awesome. So Land of Gold streaming now on Max and it's streaming in 4k. I was really thrilled to see that it looks, <laughs> it looks, cause Max is always like maybe in 4k. So I'm like, is this going to be in 4k? Should I ask him? No, we we gave those deliverables. They took the 4K. We we mastered that in 4K, so they have it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad it's. I don't look. Okay, Loki. I don't pay for the 4K HBO subscription, but I'm glad you do, so you can see it in 4K. (laughs) 
I'm glad it looks good. Chris, Chris Lowe, our cinematographer, shot the shit out of the movie. So if you have the 4K capabilities or a projector, put that up. The music, the sound by Simon Tofik and the sound work by Aiden Reynolds is just impeccable. So like, yeah, I'm glad you experienced it in 4K. <laughs> it's in 4K. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> Nardeep Kormai, thanks for joining me today on the First Time Go podcast. Thanks for having me, Ben. Thanks for listening to the First Time Go podcast. The goal is to make life a little easier for independent creators. So if you're with me for that, please give the podcast a five-star review wherever you download your podcast. It's free and helps expand the reach for the creators on the show. Expanded membership is available through Directors Club. You get access to season one, early episodes when available, and other subscription benefits. Sign up now through Red Circle. The link is in the show notes. Check out the podcast YouTube channel if you'd like to watch a select number of episodes of the podcast and the indie film highlight posted every Sunday. Thanks again for listening and helping creators get their first time go. Go.